0: You're listening to the Overeaters Anonymous Mid Peninsula Podcast. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. For more information, please visit oamidpeninsula.org. Hi, my name is Julie and I am a compulsive eater and food addict. Um, This meeting is new to me, and it's very exciting for me to see all your faces and to realize that our recovery continues uh, through the uh, tool of technology. It's really wonderful. Um, So, um, can you hear, first of all, give me a thumbs up to tell me if you can hear me okay? Okay, good. All right. Okay. um, I I wrote down a few notes to direct my as we as I share. Um, so um, I'm a compulsive eater and a food addict and, um, but I was not born into a family of compulsive eaters um, nor is addiction a big part of my nuclear family. In my previous generations you can see addiction but I, I didn't have that too much growing up. I had a pretty normal childhood but I had a very unusual experience when I was 13, and that, it gave me my first experience with the disease of addiction. And what happened was, my I was 13 years old, my family went out to watch a movie, and being a curious 13 year old, I decided that I would try everything in my family's liquor cabinet, from the vermouth to the chocolate mitt brandy. And so I tried everything in it, just experimenting, But what happened at the very end got very weird. Um, I poured three glasses of cold, red, cheap boxed wine in a water glass, and I drank those three glasses down. And it didn't taste good, but it was almost like there was something compelling me to do something that didn't taste good, and I couldn't stop. Mm And then after that, things got very predictable. Fortunately, I didn't um, hurt myself too much. I threw up and I didn't even have a hangover because I threw up so fast. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Like, uh, I never did anything like that again, but it was just a very weird experience. Um, fast forwarding on, I had a pretty normal adolescent time in my teens, in my 20s, I actually became very religious, and so I didn't drink at all, which was very helpful, because considering how I reacted to alcohol when I was 13, it probably, I probably could have gotten into a lot of problems later on. However, in my 30s, I loosened up, but I wasn't quite so strict. And um, anyway, in my 30s, I, I had a sweet tooth my whole life, and in my... Late 20s, I did do some binging, but it it really definitely didn't dominate my life, and I had a normal, healthy weight. Um, When in my early 30s, when I had young children, I did struggle with depression um, and would eat more flour and sugar when I was depressed, but it still wasn't, it didn't really dominate my life. Um, When I was 45, my kids started uh, middle school and I was working and I was very stressed out and that's where um, I started running into problems again. I started drinking every day to cope with um, the stress and so very quickly um, started drinking in an unhealthy way and um, I went to AA right away and I got sober and um, thank God for that, Um, but within two weeks I started using concentrated forms of sugar as a way to detox and cope with the lack of alcohol in my life. Mm -hmm. And I kept doing that for about five years and it gradually got worse. So five years later, when I was around 50, um, I, I developed this terrible pattern of... Um, by the middle of the afternoon, I would start binging on flour and sugar, and I would eat enough to where I would get nauseous. And then I would wait one or two hours till I wasn't quite so nauseous, and I would eat some more, and then I would get nauseous, and then wait one or two hours. And so from about three to eight o'clock, I would eat this way every day. And then, of course, I, I made dinner for my family, but I wasn't really available emotionally and physically for my family. I would just go to bed because I felt so ill from all. Um, by that time, I gained, um, I was up to about 168 pounds. And let me show you a picture. So this is, uh, I don't know if you can see this, but uh, this is in December 2012, and you can see visibly I my face looks, I don't know if you can see my face, but my face looks a lot more round than it does now. Um, so, um, I still kind of have roundness, but there's more wrinkles because there's not as much fat, nothing yet. Plus, I'm 57 now. So, anyway, um, so in 2012, um, I was still active in the AA, and my AA sponsor suggested I go to OA. So, I did. And um, actually, I had gone to OA, regular OA, in 2008, and did, had no success whatever. And I've come to realize that. Food is a lot trickier than alcohol, because we don't have to drink at all. Like, we can just drop the alcohol. But um, food, we have to continue to eat. And so there have evolved many flavors of OA because different types of people with food problems have different solutions. And so I'm gonna describe the kind of solution that works for me. The type of program in OA that works for me is um, I need to weigh and measure and plan my food. So I I write out what I'm going to eat um, by email. I sometimes I handwrite it, but now I email it to my sponsor. And I I I make specific plans about what I'm going to eat the next day, and I make sure I have that food in the house to do that. I weigh on a digital scale and I zero it out, so it's just you know if it's four ounces, it's 4.0 ounces. Um, I, uh, I have three outreach conversations a day, which helps me stay grounded. I go to three meetings a week, and um, I have a daily quiet time, which involves um, gratitude, praying, and reading spiritual literature. Um, I read uh, the OA literature, particularly the 12 and 12. My sponsor and I, off, I have a daily sponsor call with my sponsor. And we talk about um, the literature that I'm reading that day. Um, I uh, I do step work either in a small group format or a one-on-one format with someone. And um, I emphasize spiritual growth because as I get closer to God and to other people and to nature, I get better. Um, Let's see. I also practice service either in OA or outside OA. So um, that's what that um, that's what I do. Now the question is: I think I mentioned I have six weeks absence. So I started in two thousand twelve. What happened, right? I had about um, four. Uh, I don't know from two thousand twelve to two thousand seventeen. No, 2013 to 2017, I was pretty much abstinent um, with just very, very few breaks. Uh, but what happened is my life got bigger and bigger as my health improved. And so I start I started working full-time in a very demanding job. And I it was difficult to make as many outreach calls and go to as many meetings. And so my program wasn't quite as solid. And then I had a really big medical problem. I, I had a seizure and I developed epilepsy, and so as a result of that, I had to start taking medication that really messed with the uh, centers in my brain. I remember talking to the neurologist, and she said, "Okay, this this affected your nuclear accumbens." And I re, I looked at her and I said, "But that's the addiction center." She goes, "Oh yes, it does increase impulsive behavior." And I'm like, "What?" And so anyway. Uh, I struggled for two and a half years, on and off the meds, um, on and off with my abstinence, and um, I kept trying to make the way I ate similar to the way people around me ate. Like, um, I wanted to eat like my family, I wanted to eat like my friends at church. I had to get to the point where I realized you know what? Did you me I, need to what? Um, I think someone's ya? unmuted. I think someone's unmuted. Okay. Um, so I had to get to the point where I realized in my in, in my insides, that all I had that all the only thing that was different between me and other people is I needed to eat differently. And that eating differently from my family and my friends, and my community of faith was not didn't make me less of a person. It didn't make me more of a person either. It just made me the same. And that I needed to do this for my health and it was okay if I would go to my potlucks in my community or my family birthday parties and either ate differently or brought my own food. And I just had to let that go and realize that I can be in community and in relationship with other people and have distinctive differences in my diet. And it's okay. It doesn't mean I'm less of a person. And that, I think, last July, I started realizing that, because I had an experience where um, I hit the bottom in my uh, food addiction. I went on a cruise with my family, and I my plan was to outwardly appear to be very different. similar to everyone else. I just wouldn't eat dessert. So I never asked the um, wait staff, oh, is there sugar or flour in this? I just kind of ate it. And of course there was because, you know, sugar and flour makes things taste better. So within just a few days, I was just binging like nobody's business, but I was hiding it because by that time, my family knew everything about Mm. what I was supposed to eat. So Mm. while they... Well, I would go for a, quote, walk. I would go to the, um, the buffet and just binge, because like, you can do that on a cruise ship. You know? mm-hmm. And I felt so ashamed and so helpless and so powerless and so mm-hmm. awful. I, I went back, and there's different types of OA programs. And I'm from the South Bay in Santa Clara, so we don't have too much OA. <coughs> we do have other strategies. <coughs> So I went back to the other structured programs, and I got a structured sponsor, and I started doing it. And I got um, I got abstinent. I started um, using two-minute stimulants, though. I started drinking a lot of coffee, and I noticed um, that was in December when I was really stressed out, and I noticed that that increased my um, uh, hunger pangs in the afternoons like it used to do. So. Um, after several weeks of this, I, finally, I binged again. So I agreed with my sponsor that I just, for myself, I wouldn't do that because I wouldn't drink coffee just because it has this effect on me. I know lots of people that do, and they don't have a problem with it, but I do. Again, that was that was sense of figuring out, okay, what, what type of food plan really helps me stay sane and abstinent, and then just do that? I don't have to worry about what other people are doing. I don't have to dictate what other people are doing. I just do what I do, you know. Um, so that's that was helpful. Um, so I think I've described um, what works in my program. Um, let's see. The other thing is, um, as we're now. Um, I think this program has helped me develop more humility with myself, um, realizing that part of my main job in my life is to make sure that I get my needs met, and that that's an okay thing to do. And so that doesn't mean I'm like some superpower hero. Um, but the interesting thing is, is when it, back in July and August and September, I had so much self pity being a food addict and being a compulsive eater. I just thought it was the worst thing in the world that if, if I didn't have this problem, I could just be like everyone else. And um, my sponsor asked me something. She said, what if being a food addict is really your superpower? And I remember thinking, that's weird. How could a limitation be a superpower? Well, I don't think being a food addict or a compulsive eater is a superpower. But what I do think is a superpower is being in recovery from that. because um, So I was talking to someone yesterday on an outreach call, and we were talking about how all these tools that we do and these steps that we do, those are the very things that all human beings need to do to survive this shelter-in-place order that we're doing and to deal with this coronavirus. We all need to do this. Because I'm in recovery, I had it all set up before, thank you, thank you. Um, I had it all set up before um, I even started sheltering in place. So, you know, I know that I need to spend more time with um, God. I know I need to do all my tools. And what has also helped me recently is um, exercise not to manage my weight, not to manage my weight, but to improve my mood and to help me feel less confined. So I'm one of those people that I go for a walk or a jog almost every day, and I get outside, and part of my connection with my higher power is the world. I believe my higher power created nature. And so this spring, I've really, really enjoyed going to the park and looking at the grass, looking at the squirrels, looking at the birds, looking at the flowers and just feeling that connection with the earth that um, it's just somehow it, it, it makes me whole and the other thing that really helps is meditating. I found a guided meditation on Amazon and well first it was on YouTube and then I found out that they have a whole CD so I downloaded it so when things get a little hairy I just, I just sit and with my earphones on and I listen and I breathe deeply and I just meditate on the God who keeps me safe, the God who gives me light, the God who loves me and helps mm-hmm. me, love other people. And um, I can do this whole shelter place thing one more day because of it, you know. Uh, my family, we're getting on each other's nerves, but. It's better than you would think. And if I was in the food, it would be a nightmare mm. because I would be in bed, I would be hiding, I would be irritable, I would be headachy, mm. I would be exhausted because I can't sleep when I eat like this. It would just be awful. Mm. You know. And um, also when I started in the program, the doctor, I started getting the frowny face conversations with my doctor, she started giving me the, would you like to go to this weight management class or that, you know, and, and my cholesterol was high, my blood pressure was high, and now everything is totally normal, and when I did the labs, um, uh, in January, I did my, uh, I did my physical, and my doctor said, all your labs are great, you know, and so, um, so, and I have asthma, but it's mild. But with all this um, healthy eating and exercise, I'm the, I'm really healthy and so that gives me another reason to try to survive this coronavirus thing because I can be healthier. I can um, go grocery shopping for my parents because they're in their 80s and they're just like living in their house like little hobbit holes because they should not go out at all. Mm-hmm. And so I can be of service to them and um, I've had some really good times with my daughters, too. Um, like someone mentioned, I'm not trying to teach and homeschool my children, um, like one member mentioned, that, my, I salute you, I really salute you. But um, I do know that my responsibilities have increased as a result of that. And so all these tools help me kind of navigate that, trying to figure out, okay, what's the most important thing? Secure the food. Okay. After that, practice my program, and um, and and then serve my family as I can, you know. And our house is a little messy, but and dirty, but who cares? At least, you know, I'm doing okay with the food, right? And um, so I have one more minute. I guess I'd just like to close. Um, I'm trying to practice these principles in all our affairs, and. Um, mm. One of them is with my relationship with my family and realizing that um, when it comes to my family, I need to do me and they can do them. And what is doing me is taking care of myself and making this program number one over my family, over my my faith community, over my job. Because if it doesn't stay number one, then I get so impaired I can't do any of the other stuff. So um, I think I'm 20 minutes out, right? I'm done with the 20 minutes? Yeah, okay. So at this point, I'd like to turn it over to our um, moderator and ask that we go to the next part in our program.